Align with the Massage Business Mama comes to you with a combined 22 plus years experience in the massage biz as entrepreneurs, providing actionable tips and resources you can implement today. Becca, an off-grid living, quirky, trail-running massage therapist, esthetician, and yogi, offers her business and wellness perspective to you with highly caffeine-fueled, compassionate wit. Allie, your hard-working, driven, creative mom, massage therapist, business owner, lover of friend gatherings, all-time annual family talent show winner, brings her drive and business savvy to every episode. Hello! In this episode, we wanted to get a baseline for how the COVID situation has landed in the massage industry from a variety of voices. Allie and I have our own personal experiences and views of how things will roll out moving forward, but we wanted to collect perspectives from others in the industry, including educators, practitioners in private practice, spa owners, therapists who stopped working, and those who did not. To kick off this episode, we thought we would start from the beginning and hear how this is affecting massage education. So we reached out to Dana, the director of the massage school where Ali was adjunct teaching this year. I have Dana Armstrong on. She is the director of the massage program over at the Colorado Northwest Community College in Craig, Colorado. And Dana, how, how long has the massage program been around within the school and how long have you been the director? The program started in 2009, and I myself went through the program a couple years into them offering it, and I started teaching in 2014. Okay, so the program's still operating right now. It is. The school's still going. The program's still going. It just looks a little different than we've ever had to deal with, but the teachers at the school are all teaching remotely. And so the career technology education, the CTE programs, that looks a little different because we're hands-on programs, doing online Zoom meetings, video lectures, D2L. We have a a program that we can post videos and homework and discussions all through an online portal. And so with like some degrees, I could see everything online being pretty straightforward and and working pretty smoothly. But with massage, it's like so much of the work is hands-on work. How do you feel about the quality of the education that the students are able to receive during this time? And do you think that they're going to be prepared for massage in the real world once they're, they're done with this interruption that's happened? Right. I really feel like I would be a lot more concerned if they hadn't already completed three quarters of the program, but foundation already. And they were doing clinicals for half of the semester, the second semester already. So they had a lot of groundwork laid down. And I really feel like they got rolling. They knew what was expected of them. They've done a lot of the work that I'm actually really confident for these students. And we, we have some challenges. We didn't complete everything I wanted in person. But I really believe they're going to be ready to go. I told each of them that I'm willing to work beyond our school schedule. So when this gets cleared up, I'm, I said, I'm here for you. I'm not going to leave you guys hanging. I want you to feel confident. I don't care if we meet in the summer, we can use that, the classroom still, but 
I am absolutely available to each and every one of you as a group or individually, but anything you want to wrap up or go over, I am absolutely going to be available to them because it's just not fair. Obviously, you had some time with these students. If a new batch of students were to get going in the same culture, I mean, do you think that that would be something that your school would consider? Or do you think that if this crisis kind of went on longer, that the massage program may no longer be? Yeah, I don't think I could get completely behind an inclusive online massage program. I think there's so much value in those adjustments and the hands-on and the feedback that they get in person. What I've found is that my business class, it's fine to do online. And in, in fact, I had taught that class as a hybrid class in the, in the past. I think moving forward, we could look at putting some of the classes that don't need the hands-on, perhaps like pathology and business class, for example, to make it more available for people that are trying to work and can't be in the classroom full-time. Yeah, so that potentially could be a positive change that maybe happens to the program because of this. Yes, yeah. But the the hands-on, the massage, the what they're learning with the skills and the modalities, I feel like you, that just can't be substituted. Are you still assigning them any hands-on work right now or not really? I am. So the, the really positive thing is we have these competencies we need to complete for each class and they've actually completed the competencies for their, their hands-on class already. They just haven't met okay. the first. So they are, I believe, they needed 12 more hours out of 50 hours. So really they are just working on specific modalities. I video the massage for them. I give them additional resources and paper. So they are like doing some coloring anatomy for like the carpal tunnel nerve. And then they're having to complete that massage and submit their hours to me. Okay. So obviously all of the students have someone at home that they can work on. They do, fortunately, yes. Yeah, that would be a little bit more challenging if if any of them lived alone. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure that their that their partners right now are, are very happy to be there. Seems like they have mostly good, willing people at home, yes. That's good. So how much work was it to convert all of this material that you've taught to an online? It has been so much work. <laughs> Um, I'm sure. <laughs> and it's and it's not complete. I'm still working and we're we're muddling through and the students are so understanding. They really are. The yeah. online being able to connect online still through meetings has been really nice and see each other, but it's been really a lot of work and I'm I can't imagine if it would have been the whole semester. At least we had completed 10 weeks. Are the students expressing any fear about getting out into the workplace? That's a good question. They have been expressing different emotions. The biggest one has been just a lack of motiv motivation to get the work done on their own because they're not having to show up at a certain time for class. I haven't heard any fear. Yeah, I mean, that's good. I guess I feel like if I was in their shoes right now, I would be nervous about future of the industry in terms of something that you've just finished all this schooling for and to not really know what's happening in the industry. For me, it would be really scary. So I, I'm glad that they're not experiencing too much fear around that. Yeah, we were talking about that in our last meeting. And we, we were talking, this has made us think, what can someone in our field, in the field of massage therapy, do to diversify their practice? And so, I mean, they were brainstorming up workshops and different yep. online offerings. And so I just feel like they're staying really positive. 
through throughout this and they know that this won't last forever. It gives them time yeah. to study for their test. And I think they all want to go forward with their plan. Yeah, that's great. And I think you're right. You know, I think sometimes it's almost harder for massage therapists who've been out there doing the same thing for 20 years to think about thinking outside the box and creating alternate revenue streams, as opposed to a student who's in that learning mode and can just kind of more easily access that part of their brain. And then just for students experiencing this right now, I think for them, they're going to think, and also future students, how would they be prepared if they were out of work for a while? And to be putting away money, not only to pay their taxes, but also for a little nugget of savings. You know, we all know we're supposed to have three months of rent and three months of bills and three months saved in case anything happens. But the reality is, I think a lot of massage therapists don't. And if you're coming out of school in kind of a climate like this, then it will prepare you. And maybe it could be something that's part of the curriculum, really instilling those values into the students in the future. After chatting with Dana, we thought it would be interesting to see if students from her program really were feeling as positive about the quality of their current education. So we asked Tara, one of Dana's students, to speak with us about her experience. Tara, we just kind of wanted to hear a little bit about your perspective as a massage student going through this whole COVID crisis, how it's affected your education and how you're feeling about entering the workplace potentially in a few months. Tell everyone how long you've been in the massage program. So I have been in the massage program eight, almost nine months. Okay. So you're well into the program. Yes. And, and just recently you guys switched to completely online. Yes. And so how has that online experience been for you? Um, it's been difficult because, you know, you're in a hands-on program and I'm not getting the hands-on part of it right now. Um, I am able to massage my family at home, thankfully, but I miss doing the clinicals, getting the clinical hours, working on different people, different walks of life, stuff like that. So I am missing out on that part. I'm also missing just seeing my classmates every day. It's been difficult. We do have a business class and we've been able to move forward with that quite easily. And um, my instructor has been really good about keeping us with up-to-date information on modalities that we were supposed to learn, um, but didn't get the chance to, and that we can follow along with at home. But it's, it's just not quite the same as, you know, being there present and getting that full-on hands-on experience. For sure, for sure. Do you feel like you're still getting a quality, well-rounded education at this point? Or do you feel like it's compromising your education? I think just because this has all happened like right near the end of our program, I feel like I've definitely gotten the education and I feel confident once it's all over going in and taking my Inblex. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, when it comes to like the competencies of our classes, we have met all of those criteria, which is good. I'm glad that we, you know, got ahead on all that. So all these modalities and stuff has, is more of like an extra but I'm, I do feel like I'm kind of missing out on that. But for the most part, I do still feel like really confident going in and doing my Inblex once all of this is over and passing. That's awesome. That's, that's great. I mean, I think, I think you guys are really fortunate that you were so far into the program before this happened. But it's still a bummer because it is such a hands-on experience. And then getting, you know, feedback from people outside your family because our families are always a little bit biased 
either good or bad. (laughs) Everything feels good when you're massaging family and they don't care. (laughs) Right, right. And then what about as you start to think about entering into the massage workforce, are you having any strong feelings about what that's going to look like for you and, you know, kind of unknowns around that or are you feeling okay? I'm definitely a little nervous. I mean, so many people have lost their jobs and it's hard to say how many will be able to just go out after this is over and get regular massages. I think the one hope that I really do have is that massage is seen more and more as a part of the medical field. So I feel like I can really relay on that aspect of it once all this is over. I think that after everyone's been in isolation for so long that there'll be need for human contact, which is definitely going to benefit us as an industry. But I, I have to imagine that there, there's some trepidation about walking out into the the field at this point and really being prepared. And I mean, I guess one of the benefits is you have some time to study for the Amblex. Yes, I have plenty of time. (laughs) Yeah. Do you see any positives that might come from all of this COVID stuff and how it may affect your career as a massage therapist in the future? That one's hard. It's It's been hard to see any positives from all, everything that's going on. I think the one thing for me that's been a huge eye-opener is that I've, I've chosen a career that can be shut down so easily and quickly in a pandemic situation. It's nothing I'm going to quit. This is definitely something that I've become more passionate about in, you know, the last eight months. But it's crazy how this can put your whole way of making a living on hold. But, you know, for me, I know my skills and I trust and believe in my abilities as a therapist. And I believe that if anything like this were to happen again, after I get my license, I could pull through it. I think that I will have the clients who return and I know I'll do everything I can to keep my business and my career alive, you know, even after all the craziness is over with. Yeah. So I, that, that's my positive in it is just knowing that with my abilities and the things that I've learned and, you know, I'm still very much excited to go into this career. That's um, great. Even with everything going on. And I think basically, uh, you know, really like what you said that people are going to be so needing that contact once all this is over and uh, and I hadn't thought about that I think that that's 100% right so I have a lot of hopes that you know it'll take a while but everything will go back to normal and I'm gonna just keep on getting on with this career so (laughs) well I'm I'm stoked to hear that you're still so positive about all of it and I guess one of the things that I I think is maybe a benefit for you as a student just coming out is that you are seeing firsthand the importance of diversifying right off the bat. And I think that a lot of therapists who've been practicing for years and years, they rely solely on the hands-on experience to be their, their income. And that now people are kind of having to think a little outside the box in terms of how to diversify and that you're, you're seeing how maybe starting out from the start of your career diversifying in as many ways as possible within the massage field, but, you know, offering products or classes or just different ways to bring in income can really benefit you in the long run. Right. And that's actually the last Zoom meeting that we had with my instructor and with the rest of my class. That was one thing that we talked about is, you know, if something like this ever happens, 
again, when we're licensed, like how are other ways that we can keep our business going, you know, and it was some really great ideas, selling things, offering online classes, not even really charging, just asking for donations, anything that can help. I thought everyone had some really great ideas and it's really great to, you know, fall back on if we were to go through something like this again. Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, maybe you don't go through something like this, but maybe you get injured. You know, I've had times where I cut my hand or I tore my ACL and I couldn't practice hands-on work. And so being able to have these other, these other revenue streams, it helps you weather a lot of storms that come up in your life, not just huge worldwide pandemics. <laughs> it's hard to kind of see past the pandemic part right now. It's, it's just kind of, it's, <laughs> it's a little blinding for sure. After hearing from those still being educated, we thought it would be interesting to hear from someone who recently graduated. Our next interview is with Maya Gaddis from Sandpoint, Idaho. And she has her own private practice. She provides a bit of a twist. So Maya, after the shutdown, decided to open a week later, delicately open. Let's hear what she has to say. You'd been in business for five and a half months when COVID-19 landed in your lap. Yeah. And so you had kind of this new track of where I'm sure your your clients were building. How did that land in March for you? Yeah. So I work in two places in the studio that you used to rent and leased to me. I have that as a more of a private practice. And then I also work for a, this company that does small group personal training and offers massage therapy and cranial sacral therapy. That, because it's a larger company, that got shut down pretty immediately middle of March. I honestly hung on a little bit longer. And then my studio, private practice, of course, just disappeared. So your clients stopped stopped coming in because of the stay at home. Everybody, you know, know, it's it's this national awareness. However, the week after the first week of staying at home, Mm-hmm. I had 11 clients and I was shocked by how many people didn't care. I was like, are you sure you want to go through with this? You know, I've been mm-hmm. at home. I haven't gone to anywhere except the grocery store. My children haven't been in school since March 12th. So, I mean, we're, I have, I wear a mask, so I'm, I'm good and I feel comfortable working plus I need to, but um, I was surprised how many people wanted massages who just were like, eh, it's fine. Don't wear a mask on my benefit. It's not that big of a deal. So it was interesting, that mindset to encounter that. I'm not judging anybody. It was just like, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are more cautious and and worried, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of people that really rely on their body work and their body workers. Well, yeah. yeah. And the reason why I have justified staying in business here and there doing maybe one a day just to kind of clear the air is because I and I read the bylaws or the uh, essential workers for our state says that uh, you know an essential work is is health care and maybe I really truly believe that people use massage therapy as their health care you know this body work is really essential to people and I'm, I'm tracking it up to be an essential service. Like you hit on, when there are heightened stress levels 
be due to pain, due to emotional stress, mental stress, not sleeping well, whatever other ailments that a person might have, it's depressing the immune system, um, which just makes them more susceptible to infections. We're kind of doing this to get clarity and see kind of Mm -hmm. where everyone Mm -hmm. is at because there's so many different avenues uh, that massage land. Mm-hmm. If I may expand, I found myself yeah. very grateful that I have a private studio where I do private practice versus being a 100% sole contractor for a, a company. Half of my income is gone. The other half is still available. Just- I am allowed to make those choices for myself. Instead of having somebody make those choices for me. Screen people, where have you been? You know, what kind of social distancing are, have you been practicing? Oh, you haven't? Well, maybe it'd be safer for both of us if we just postponed for a bit. And then I had a client who, who works um, in the kitchen of an elder home and he had an appointment and I texted and I was like, I don't know if this is a good idea. For any of us, for all the elders who you care for, because I know he's still working because I, you know, I have been out and about a little bit and I would be really terrible if this got passed along to 150 elders. So So you have to really heighten your awareness and not offend anybody either. I've also had some, um, I have one woman who is just feels kind of bad asking the questions. And so I've, I've taken in a little bit of her empathy and I've had to say, you know, I, I am sorry that I have to ask these questions, but what it has been your yeah. level of exposure? I'm sorry, but I have to be, I'm trying to be responsible. And, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people have said, you know what, let's just wait. You're right. I'll wait a couple of weeks because my partner was, is in quarantine right now because she was out of town and things like that. I think this has given our whole nation some time to consider the threat of a virus, how it moves yeah. and how maybe we've been pretty lackadaisical about it. Maybe we should be sterilizing a little bit more. I don't know. Yep. I, part of me wants to say that maybe that's a good okay thing. And then, but the, my former self would say, we need germs in our bodies. We need <laughs> those antigens in order to build smaller, robust immunity bases. So I'm kind of on the fence um, about sterilization. I'm so glad that you're just so transparent. And transparent she was. Regardless of your personal opinion about whether or not therapists should be practicing right now, the reality is that many are. And as states begin to reopen, the experiences these therapists have had can be lessons to the rest of us as we try to navigate these new standards. As an employer myself, I can really relate to the next couple guests. In their interviews with Becca, she gets to the heart of what I've been feeling for a while, that this pandemic is going to be hard on those of us with staff. Getting everyone on the same page with cleaning procedures is a daunting thought. And the idea of social distancing in larger establishments is a little less realistic than their smaller counterparts. Next, we're going to hear from Julie Freeman, owner of Soul Impressions on Main Street in Breckenridge, Colorado. Her beautiful East Meets West studio has five treatment rooms, and she's had her practice for 11 years. Listen as she talks about her staff and the changes she anticipates this pandemic will create. 
I've always been very in cleaning. <laughs> and I mean, I think that that's hard to do when you have so many workers around because you can't always doing their part in that. So, I mean, I could get more annoying with my workers, which they, they love. <laughs> I could nag them more, yep. which I and will. Yeah. <laughs> well, and hopefully they'll be more receptive just coming out and wanting to work, you know, and knowing that they have to take maybe more responsibility yeah. in like cleaning. You can provide all the tools and everything, and then the worker just floats after their appointment and they space yeah. it, and you're like, hey, and then you know, well, I'm usually the one, or my front desks are cleaning up after people, but I mean, and then there's also like, massage therapists are very concerned about chemicals and you know they're not going to want to use Clorox wipes so what's safe method you know we usually use simple green and hand sanitizer soap and water we also use these botanical wipes that are supposed to kill things so I mean trying to be conscientious of that so it's you really have to think around yeah all the issues there I was looking at Barbicide, which I have because I, you know, I do aesthetics um, out of my home sometimes or privately, I should say. And uh, Barbicide, I mean, you put that in a solution with water and you spray stuff down, leave it for 10 minutes and it literally annihilates anything nasty. So there's lots of things that are available to us. Maybe a positive coming out of this in the industry is, you know, the workers appreciating the work. Because I think in the past, I mean, it was, it's like sometimes a struggle to be like, hey, if you work 15 minutes later, you could get this appointment and you need somebody to cover it. Well, do you mind staying 15 minutes late? Mm -hmm. I mean, you'd be surprised how many people don't want to stay 15 minutes late to make extra money. Whereas hopefully that maybe there will be an attitude change there where it's, you know, people are like, hey, I need to work and save money while there's work. And that's especially important in a town like Breckenridge. And that's always what I've been telling people is like, work as much as you can physically without killing yourself um, so that you can save money for the off season. And now it's like, okay, well, now you need to also save money for the next pandemic. Um, I wanted to see, are you doing anything like on the side to like generate any money? Or are you just enjoying home life? Uh, <laughs> enjoying in quotations? <laughs> <laughs> with the kids and the um, pup and the and the hubby. I'm not. I mean, I don't have a lot of energy to have been doing this business for 11 years, so I'm not I don't have that new energy that some people have and I just, I'm just trying to like, you know, live and do the things that I need to do, but I'm not I don't have any like big ideas per se. So, so I'm hearing you say that you're you're kind of enjoying. There's this definitely things vacation. I'm enjoying. I mean, I mean, for me, doing having a small business was their problems every single day. I mean, every single day of the week for 11 years, <laughs> I've had to deal with something. And I mean, often it would be on like a Saturday night. I'd had two glasses of wine, and then somebody calls and quits, or I'm. <laughs> you know, like dealing with some sort of problem on a Sunday morning or, you know, it's just, it's constant. And honestly, I mean, one thing I've always done is I text my therapist the night before their appointments and I always dreaded doing, or not dreaded, but I just never felt like doing it. And I was like, oh, I have to go do that now. 
I mean, I've really enjoyed not doing that. <laughs> Hi, Cindy. How are you? Hi, Becca. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Yay. I'm so glad I get to talk to you today. So can you just tell me what you do, what your role is, um, and what your business is? Sure, sure. I am the spa manager at Infinity Spa in the resort called the Grand Colorado on Peak 8, and that's in Breckenridge, Colorado. We are a um, slopeside resort on a ski resort, and our spa is a small spa inside the resort. We have four treatment rooms um, plus a nail room, and we have been open for roughly two and a half years now. And you oversee... Uh, how many em- employees are at the spa? So even though we are a smaller spa, the bulk of my employees are uh, are part-time. And so my service provider staff and the concierge staff, including casual employees, which are um, people who are on call, we have a total of 26 employees. Wow. That's a lot of people to take care of and manage. <laughs> uh, it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. It's, all, it's interesting every day. Oh, it is definitely interesting every day. <laughs> uh, um, so I, the next question that I had was, it's kind of an awkward question. Um, it is, what is your anticipated loss for March uh, and April? And that might be difficult to um, quantify, I guess, being in the structure. Well, it's, it's not... Right. No, not necessarily. I mean, I, I know what my budgeted revenue is supposed to be. You know, I do my, we do our own budgets, you know, the spa managers do our own budgets for the spa. Granted, this isn't money that I'm making personally. I am, you know, just managing it for, um, you know, the, the company Breckenridge Grand Vacations. So we were budgeted and I don't mind talking about the budgeted revenue. Awesome. We were budgeted to um, make about $120,000 in March and then dropping down in April to I think seventy-five or eighty thousand dollars in April, if I can remember correctly. So, um, you know, I don't mind sharing that that was our budgeted revenue in March. We were on track to meet the budgeted revenue, and then of course we closed down halfway. So we had we had roughly just about sixty thousand dollars in revenue, and so I would say for March we were going to be out an additional sixty thousand wow. dollars, and then of course April is going to be that seventy-five to eighty. And then that doesn't even include May because we're going to be closed for May too. Oh, so. wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's again, again, not, not affecting my pocketbook as far as revenue goes, but that's definitely what the company was expecting me to, to pull in. It's kind of unique because even though the spa is owned by a larger company, it does act independently, which means that the revenue that it brings in pays for everything that happens within the spa, everything from the paint on the walls to my salary to the concierge's wages to any fun stuff that we do or meals that we bring in it all covers everything so wow. the spa is intended to make the revenue to support all of the costs that go out of the spa also Breckenridge Grand Vacation decided to furlough all of the spa employees including myself and management so at this point I'm not doing any work for the spa I see a lot of other companies that are doing different things to stay relevant with different tutorials that they do online or retail sales. And in hindsight, I think that would have been a really great thing for us to do, perhaps to keep people working or just staying relevant and staying in people's minds. But being that that wasn't an option that was given to me and I haven't thought of it, that's not something that's happening. 
do you see the business model changing within Grand Vacations after the COVID-19 break? And do you perceive there to be an impact in day-to-day operations and services once the doors are open? Definitely. This is something I've given a lot of thought to. And anything that I'm about to say is pure speculation, because being that I'm not back at work yet, I haven't had these discussions with, um, you know, with my general manager or our director of operations. But my thought is, is that we will have to change the way that we do business because, you know, even in our small boutique spa with four treatment rooms, in order to remain profitable, it's important to keep those rooms busy from like open of business to close of business. And what we've seen in the past is that when that happens and you've got people who are hanging out in the spa in the relaxation room with the amenities um, in the locker room that you have definitely more than four people in there at a time, it might be as many as like 20 to 30 people are actually in the spa in between their appointments or before or after. And so that I don't think is going to be an acceptable form of relaxation for people moving forward out of this, at least not in the near future. And I think that we're going to have to change our business model to give more personalized attention to people and not create services for the masses. I also think that we will have to change it to where we have more time in between services to actually sanitize the rooms and to prepare them properly for the next guest. Not saying that our spa wasn't clean and didn't do everything the right way, but I just think that the general public is going to expect more and is going to want to see that we're doing more for that. So working for Breckenridge Ground Vacations, I think these are two things that are definitely going to impact our business. That being said, I don't have any direction from my powers to be on the direction they want to go with that. So We'll wait and see how it all turns out, but um, it's going to be a different world. I think in general, people are going to seek wellness, but the mass gatherings and spas might be a thing of the past. I honestly see the most successful places to get massages are going to be those smaller, independently owned places that have more of that personalized attention and more of that ability to create that space for each individual and not drive business for more people to come into like a mass setting, like I was saying. Next up is Keish Berry, owner of Wildflower Day Spa in Sandpoint, Idaho. And from her, we learn about the benefits of being connected to some big names in the industry. Specifically, Keish has had a lot of help weather the COVID storm in large part because of her distributing relationship with Aveda. Let's listen. With the (laughs) COVID-19 pandemic, has Veda supported you in any way during this crisis? They are so amazing. They have stepped up and beyond my expectations. We have an online um, website presence. And so they, our clients can go directly on our website, shop Aveda button, go onto the Aveda website, but be linked back to our website. Aveda packages, whatever products they purchase, sends it directly to them. We touch nothing. We do nothing. We have no overhead. And Aveda was giving us 25% commission to do that. Since the COVID started, they bumped it to 40% commission twice a week owner forum zoom meetings and about an hour and a half each this last 
I don't know, three weeks probably. It's basically how to apply for the PPP loan. If you get the PPP loan, how to make sure that you do it in the correct manner so that you get the most forgiven. The disaster loan. I mean, these are huge business people that get it and understand it and can speak about it on a general level. All of their classes, that their online classes that are typically three, four hundred dollars to take are all free right now. All we have to do is open the program. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Are you doing anything to kind of keep a little bit of a cash flow? I know you said that Aveda's being up the commission with online sales. What else are you doing to move it? Yeah, before the Aveda announced that, I was freaking out pretty hardcore. You are required to carry X amount of Aveda products on the shelf. So that killed me to just sit there and stare at this product sitting on the shelf when we couldn't open the doors and allow people to come in and go shopping. And uh, I've just right before we got closed down, I was able to hire this new marketing lady. And so she came on, she started doing promotions and taking over that aspect of it. (laughs) And then when we ended up closing, I was like, okay, so we should have an online presence. So we figured that out and got that (laughs) set up. Now we've got that online button working. Um, And then she was just able to go into our program and start doing Frederick, which is our send out once a month email that we were doing for connection to our direct clients that we have their emails. And so then she started doing an email blast with, Hey, we are doing curbside pickup. You know, you can text, you can call. We have a program called Bowtie that is a texting program. And so anybody can text that number and it comes directly to me in an app and then I can text them back. And so we've been able to take a lot of orders over a text or a phone call. And then I would go in and pull their products and stick it in a bag with some discount coupons and whatnot, and then run their ticket, take their credit card over the phone, and then walk it out to them and hand it to them so that they could just do curbside. And then Aveda came back with, hey, they're going to bump up and and ramp up this online aspect, which has been huge because instead of me having to reorder through Aveda and make sure that my my shelves stay stocked, I've been able to just kind of like sell off stuff that we have and anything that we run out of, then I can turn them over to like, oh, we don't have that in store, but you can go on here and still, we still get a percentage of it. So that's been cool. Well, that's great to know that you're still providing curbside. And I noticed that you're also doing some fun little giveaways and stuff like that. We're trying to support local. And so I went out and got some local gift certificates from businesses. And then we're doing another great thing, our Aveda rep has told us, she was like, if you guys want to give away product, she's like, just link me in the product giveaway and I'll send them the free product. (laughs) I was like, uh, I love it. Right. I was like, absolutely. (laughs) And so because we have no money going out on these little free giveaways that we're doing right now, I was like, well, let's just support local then I'll go get gift certificates from some local spots. And then we can promote, Hey, not only do you win a travel size shampoo and conditioner, you can also get, uh, a coffee card to, you know, Evans Brothers is the one that we're doing right now. Are there any other steps that you plan to take to establish trust and comfort in your local, you know, clientele after? Yeah. So um, I've been having some discussions with some of the other therapists about that. So we've got a big giant hanging curtain to divide this hallway. I was told that that's a huge germ holder. And so I was like, well, I guess I can just order placard signs that says like right when they come off the elevator, this is the direction that you go. We have these thinner aqueous towels 
And so you still give a little bit of weight to the person and warmth, but they're really super easy to launder. How many staff do you have working? There's 17 of us. We don't typically all work at the same time, but there can easily be 10 to 12 of us there at a time. So, I mean, 17 is still a good amount of people to get all on board and orchestrated with keeping those higher levels of sanitation in in place and not letting them slide. I know, at least in my experience in places that I've worked, people will start off very enthusiastic and then after a little while, they'll kind of slide back into bad habits. I just imagine a bunch of little Clorox fairies (laughs) coming around. So it's how do I change their routine and implement a new routine that's fast and efficient and effective. If I make it too jumbled or I ask too much, it's going to be missed. People are going to stop, start falling off the edge. Like you said, if I could be able to let the, the public know that we as wildflower have been tested and the therapists that are currently working have been positive for the antibody test, I would feel so much more comfortable if that was the case. And then I just feel like it's up to the general public to decide, did they want to come? Right. They have it. Have right. they been exposed and, to it? Right. Did and they that's... want to go out and get the antibody test? <laughs> yeah. But we as a whole in that space would be a safe spot. I like it. Our next interview with Chelsea Beers is really exciting to me, mainly because not only is Chelsea a massage therapist, she is also a meal prep coach. Over at Living Well Like a Boss, Chelsea has epitomized the side hustles many of us are now exploring. So Chelsea, how long have you been a massage therapist? Oh, geez. So I've been a massage therapist. I graduated from massage school, I think, in 2011. And then I moved to Steamboat shortly after that. I worked in spas for a couple of years. And then I started my own practice in June of 2014. It's crazy to think about. And then, you know, like most people, when they're getting getting their business off the ground. I worked, I actually worked for you for quite a while. Yeah. And then I also was an independent contractor for another woman in pro for about four to five years. And then I went officially on my own just doing massage the end of 2019. So massage was definitely like my mainstream of income. I am also a meal prep coach. That's kind of been my side hustle for, let's see, I got my health coaching certification, I think in like 2017. And I've slowly been building that on the side. And then just recently in the end of 2019, I started doing some in-person meal prepping classes. I was beginning to travel to people's houses to hold these classes. And then my intention was to start holding them. I have a a live work unit, which is actually where my massage office is. I was going to use the other half of the space to do my meal prepping classes. And they were supposed to start in April. So I was getting all the things together for that. I had my landlord install a sink and I ordered meal prepping tables and then the apocalypse happened. So I'm having to kind of shift where my, where my thoughts were going with that. Gosh, the idea of coaching just sort of like I'm into energy and sort of the law of attraction stuff. So I feel like I maybe attracted the idea into my life. I had no idea what health coaching even was, you know, or what coaching even was a couple of years ago. And then... I kind of heard of it online. And then I was like, health coaching, what's that? And it was like, turn your passion for health and wellness and cooking food. And so, yeah, in my brain, I was like, man, if I could get paid for doing that stuff, that would be really fun. So I kind of just started the idea in my brain and then I just kind of ran with it. So I started looking into, you know, how you can get certified or what it takes to become a health coach. Um, I found an online certification program. So I did that. It was a, it was a six month program. 
So I got my health coaching certification and then it's an interesting pivot I've had to make because I actually started originally with doing some online coaching and I was just doing kind of an overarching broad like health coaching in general. So working with people on all sorts of different pieces of health and wellness. And then I really decided to niche down into the actual meal prepping part of it because cooking and meal prepping is the part that I'm more most passionate about. So for me, it was like, well, I feel like that's more tangible in person. And so I started kind of shifting towards let's make this happen and do in-person classes. And then I can build my confidence with coaching. And then my intention was to kind of shift down the road and to bring it back into the online space. I think as we all know, it's being an entrepreneur, there's a lot on the table. So it's kind of hard to get confident coaching and being in a new career and then also trying to figure out the online space. So I was like, I'm going to do the coaching. I'm going to do the classes. I'm going to like get confident there. Then I can move into broadening my audience. And now I'm having to pivot into the online space with my meal prep coaching. So that's kind of where I'm at. I don't have a steady stream of income coming in from that, but I have some potential and some opportunity, which is what I'm really starting to nurture now. Yeah. So I'm seeing what I can do to bring in some other income. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that's really coming out of this whole crisis is the importance of diversifying our income and finding different ways to monetize. Yeah, exactly. I think that was the thing. It's funny because I'm like, I've had this dream for a while. You know, my whole intention, I, w- I want to have a business that I have the ability to work remotely and travel. Yeah. So that was kind of, you know, I mean, I love health and wellness. I love cooking and meal prepping. So that's obviously a piece of it. But then another piece with coaching is that it is cool because you do have that ability to take things online. And I think the world that we're living in, I think you have a lot of businesses have the opportunity to do that, which is why it's kind of cool. This is forcing us all to innovate right now. Yep. But that is funny because for a while it was kind of like this big dream I had. And then I was like, all right, I'm just going to kind of shift at least for right now. I'm still not letting go of that dream, but I'm, I'm just going to start moving, you know, to where it was a little more comfortable, I'd say. And yeah, then the universe was like, nope, this is what you've been wanting. So we're going to force you into it. (laughs) Chelsea, how many of the people that you are working with are people you know versus complete strangers? Um, let's see. So I had uh, like a group last week. Is it a like lot of them are like strangers, though? but they're like, yeah, exactly. Or people who like I've seen on who like add me as a friend on Facebook and kind of start following me and then they'll like sign up for a class. So it's like people I've seen, I guess, via like the virtual world. So it's people yeah. that I but I do have people that I like don't know or haven't met in person. Yeah. Most of the people I have been working with now with just doing these online classes have been people that I I don't know, or who had just found me, you know, obviously from the online space. I think this pivoting that you're doing, you'll still keep massage as big of a piece. I think massage will probably become the side hustle is what it's seeming like right now, which I did have intentions of the meal prep coaching and classes is really where I wanted my main focus to be. So that's what I was saying. It was kind of massage is my main income. That was my side hustle that I was starting to build. And then my intention was to start, you know, cutting down massage as that became my mainstream of income. Yeah. So I do think that that, yeah. So I, and I mean, it's so hard to tell what's going to happen with this stuff. I'm like, even if we're able to open our doors in the beginning of May, I'm not sure that I want to be. It's a time that's forcing us to have to learn to let go of what we can't control. You know, there's that saying, We have to learn to let go of what you can't control. And this is the time where we all have to do it. Because if you don't, I mean, we're just going to be in constant panic and anxiety. You just have to do what we can, focus on the things we can control, trying to get, if you have any ideas for a side hustle, get out there and try to start putting them into the world. 
I think for a while that I was trying to be an expert in everything. What I now know, looking back, kind of pushed me into some overwhelm for a while. Because like I said, there's so many different avenues that you can take in health and wellness, and especially being a coach. So it kind of took me a while. I started working with some clients and then really just kind of following my intuition. And that's where I kind of got steered to the meal prepping and the cooking part of it and was like, that's the piece that feels right to me. So I just kind of had to listen to that inner part of myself. And, you know, I think, I think that we've all experienced this as massage therapists is like, when you first enter into the industry, it's a little overwhelming to think about yourself as the expert. And so what you're saying with the oh, yes. and wellness program is like when you're trying to be an expert of everything it feels a little bit like you're a fraud (laughs) exactly I think that's very true and I think like you said for any industry it takes I think it just takes some time to kind of like build your confidence a little bit I think it's hard to pick kind of your niche or know where you excel until you're just kind of in it for a while and you just have to do it you know it's that whole starting before you're ready yeah so well and I mean we change we grow we learn we get bored Yeah, exactly. Being flexible and just keeping your possibilities open. You know, I think that's what's happening for a lot of people right now that's making them kind of reassess their lives. And maybe I think there are a lot of people out there like, well, I've had this idea of the side hustle or this idea of this business. And since things are so uncertain right now, it's a great time to just start thinking about, you know, I potentially pivot or shift towards that. Yeah. So if you have anything out there that you're excited about, Maybe start looking into it. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. would be my suggestion for everyone, you know, just follow your intuition and follow your bliss. That's what I always tell people. That's kind of how I got into, I think, you know, cooking for me is always, it's one of those things where I always had friends be like, oh, your food's so good. And people tell me that I should do something with it, but I never really, I never wanted to work in restaurants or, you know, cause restaurants I think are stressful. And it was one of those, I didn't want to take something that I love and then do a business with it and then end up hate it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, but I really feel like path that I'm going down, it's a way, you know, it excites me to teach people how to do it, you know? So, well, and it's so, it's so obvious in watching you over the course of the last few years. So is there anything else that you wanted to share with us? Um, I think, man, I think just on a, like a global level too, I think there's going to be a lot of energetic shifts. I'm a pretty, I trying to think of myself as a fairly positive minded person, especially being a coach. I think the idea is um, opening ourselves up to positive ideas in the world and keeping high energy states. So I think globally, I mean, I think there's going to be, I think the value of human connection is probably one of the biggest pieces that's going to come out of this for, I think everyone in general. And then I really do think, especially for us small entrepreneurs, which can be really good is I think the importance of small business and supporting small business and local communities is actually going to be, kind of on the forefront because I think our economic system is so unstable right now. And I think people coming together in small spaces is, is what's going to have to happen Yeah, and building each other up from the ground up. Thank you so much for listening and please reach out to us. If you have any questions or topics you would like covered, we love suggestions. Find us at www.alignwiththemassagebusinessmama.com. Also, we wouldn't hate it if you were inclined to share or review our episode. Until next time, stay healthy, massage therapists.